Welcome back to Decom Cool and Collected. I'm Kelly. And I'm Elizabeth. And my dog right now is going crazy on his St. Patrick's Day bandana. So if you hear him in the background, he's there. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. But he's a part of the podcast now. So if you hear him, <laughs> you hear him. Um, this week, we watched Phantom of the Megaplex from the year 2000. I'm so excited. I love this movie. Yeah, this one is good. So this was November of 2000. Like I said, we have one extra, not decom, and then we have a December, and then we're to 2001! <laughs> Woo! This year has been a long one. I, like, have vague memories of watching this movie, but, like, rewatching it now, I'm like, oh my god, I love this movie! <laughs> I feel connected to it on a spiritual level. We'll get there. I used to think this movie was, like, cool, but it was kind of scary to me. Like, you were scared of Moms on a Date with a Vampire, and I was scared of Phantom of the Megaplex. So. Well, this movie has some stars, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I didn't take many notes over the people, because I figured you had it covered. I did. I have one note. Okay, so the mom is Corinne Borer. Uh, she played the mom... A mom in Under Wraps. I guess we missed her last time because I don't remember it saying this, but she's Veronica Mars's mom who was there in the first season and then she was never really an important plot point. Maybe she was like the mom of one of the other kids in Under Wraps. I think so because, yeah, I don't remember her. We have Caitlin Walks. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She is the Andrea in Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. It started, <laughs> it started, like, with Airbud basketball, and the next one was football, and then, like, Andrea was still too young to, like, really be an actor. Like, I'm sure, like, she was played by twins or whatever, but in Airbud soccer and baseball, Andrea started to get lines in her own storylines, and that's where Caitlin Walks comes in. Um, and then they did Airbud volleyball, but this, but Caitlin was not available, I guess, because so they got, like, some other actress, and it was not as good. But yes, this was Andrea from Airbud, the original Andrea. Love that. <laughs> Um, we also have Jacob Smith, a.k.a. Jake Baker, one of the Cheaper by the Dozen kids. Yeah, I had that. He was the skater kid. He in didn't really have any plot lines. In addition, I would like to add, he was the original, like, youngest sibling on Party of Five. The only reason I bring this up, I've never seen that show, but Freeform did a remake of Party of Five, and I just watched it all last week. So, just yeah, wanted to bring the, that up. I think the original was just, like... Their parents died. Yeah, their parents died. But and this, this one's one, about, like, immigrants. Yeah, they get, they get deported. deported. Yeah. Fun. That's not fun. I <laughs> recommend it. I would, yeah. It's pretty good. And. Okay. Okay, we're back. My dog just tried to jump on the bed and he fell, so we had to <laughs> help him. <laughs> what I was going to say was, I imagine that many people do not know who Mickey Rooney is, but Mickey Rooney is in this movie. He is, like, basically a Hollywood legend. He was, like... A big, giant star in, like, the golden era of Hollywood, like, the 40s, 50s, kind of. He started out as, like, a child actor, and then he, like, yeah, he started out as a child actor. He did, like, little, like, vaudeville and, like, musicals and stuff, and he was really good friends with Judy Garland. I think they did, like, four movie musicals together. And then he was in, like, the movies of, like, the Andy Hardy Boys. And most of, like, his, like, prime stuff I've never seen Except for Breakfast at Tiffany's, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> Look it up. Um, he holds the Guinness World Record for the world's longest movie career, which is 86 years. Um, yeah, that was 1926 to 2015. Um, he has over 341 acting credits on IMDb. He was nominated for four Oscars. He never won any, but he d does have some honorary Oscars. Uh... 
for a while, he was, like, the only living person in Hollywood who started silent films and then, like, made it all the way to the talkies. Um, besides Breakfast at Tiffany's, who's also in It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, he was Santa Claus in those, like, stop-motion animation Christmas specials, like, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and The Year Without a Santa Claus. He played Santa in those. I'm, like, only, like, naming ones that, like, I've seen or I've at least heard of. <laughs> Um, he played the fox in the fox and the hound, fox and the hound. If you're like me and you know every single episode of Full House by heart, you'll know that um, there's an episode whenever Jesse and Michelle get like locked in a garage or a joke shop or whatever on Christmas Eve. He plays like the angry garage shop owner. Uh, he was a knight at the museum. He was one of the evil security guards. Um, he served in World War II. He was also on Broadway. Um, and then, like all Hollywood stars, he had a gambling problem. He went bankrupt in his 40s. He's bipolar. He had an, an addiction to sleeping pills. He was married eight times. He had nine kids and two stepkids. And um, a few years before his death, he sued his two grandchildren for elder abuse. He was like, I, I don't want to say he was like the first person to ever report like elder abuse, but like, I think he was, like, one of the people who got it kind of, like, talking in the mainstream because he was Mickey Rooney, and people were like, oh, Mickey Rooney is a victim of elder abuse. They, yeah, his stepchildren were, like, were verbally, emotionally, financially abusive. They denied him food and medicine, and he died in 2014 at the age of 93. Nice. Yeah. So that's Mickey Rooney for you. I've heard his name, but I don't know him from anything, like, specifically. Whenever so. people say Mickey Rourke, I first think of Mickey Rooney, and I'm like, that's not the same person. <laughs> don't even know who that person is He's a baseball player, so. I think. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I was thinking of Mickey Mantle. I don't know who Mickey Rourke is. <laughs> There's so many. Don't know. I know Mickey Mouse, and that's about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're just literally <laughs> Disney <laughs> podcast. <laughs> anyway, Phantom of the Megaplex. Uh, so, we open on a clip of the original Phantom of the Opera silent film, and there's this boy narrating, and he's like, history can slam right into the present and blow your mind. He says, like, a bunch of other stuff, too, but I didn't write it down. Um, so we learned that there's this old movie theater in town. It was destroyed, and there's a legend that there's a person inside when it was destroyed, and he still haunts the, the movie theater. Yeah. Um, the new theater was built, and then that legend kind of grew. The boy narrating now works there, and they say, like, any, like, mishap that happens, like, a film stops working or light goes out, they blame it on the Phantom of the Megaplex. Well, and the reason they say that is because the first movie to ever play at that movie theater when it first opened was Phantom of the Opera. So that was, like, the whole, where they got that from. Yeah. Uh, so this boy is named Pete. He's the youngest assistant manager in the movie Megaplex that Megaplex specifically history. And mom thinks that that's too much responsibility for him. He's only 17, but he likes it. Yeah, they say he works way too hard. So um, he they're... starts going around and introducing everyone who works at the <laughs> Megaplex. So we meet Sean. He has nicknames for all of them. I didn't write all I of them down. I didn't write them down either. <laughs> so we have Sean. He's the senior manager. And Sean is, like, very particular about what's going on. We find out they're going to have this movie premiere at the at their Megaplex because they have, like, connections. Yeah, so, like, the main, like, I think he's the owner of the Megaplex or whatever. Mr. Niedermeyer. Yeah. He's Sean's boss. And Sean, like, like, uh, like, 
worships him hand and foot, or that's not the saying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Worship hand and foot? Something hand and foot. He waits on him hand and foot. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Ed, do you get the idea? So he's, like, very nervous because there's this big Hollywood premiere that Mr. Niedermeyer, like, pulled some strings to get, and everything has to go perfectly. Yeah, and so he's, Sean is, like, worried about everything going on, and everyone is kind of bustling around trying to get ready for this premiere. So then we meet Ricky Leary, um, they call him Rules Ricky. He has a procedure for everything. We meet Scary AKA Terry. just, like, the rules. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we meet Scary Terry, and she will just come up with a scary story of any situation for some reason. I don't know. Like, someone will be like, oh, I want some popcorn. And she'll be like, did you hear about the kid who choked on popcorn and died? We meet Hillary Honey. She's a young girl, but she's basically a grandma. That's, like, the only explanation they give. She just calls people honey and sweetie. There's Mark. They call him question mark because he never knows what he's doing. And I feel attacked. <laughs> uh, there's Racy Lacey. She tries to get everything done super quick. I said not- she, she does everything the most. <laughs> uh, not, like, racy racy, but racy. And then there's Merle. Merle. He's the projectionist, and he loves tech details. He will go on and on. He's, like, one of those people who will, like, start talking about the profession. Like, he knows you have no idea what they're talking about. But he'll keep talking anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Movie Mason. Movie Mason. This is played by Mickey Rooney. He doesn't actually work there, but his family owned the original movie theater before it got torn down and became the Megaplex. So he's, like, there all the time, and they said that he gives... Like, a schedule to Sean every week of, like, oh, this is when I'll be here or whatever. And Sean just throws it away every week. Yeah, so uh, this cute old man <laughs> just loves the movies so much. And my voice. <laughs> he loves the movies so much. And he just wants to be at the movie theater all the time, even though they won't hire him. But, like, well, I don't think he applied. I think he just, like, sticks around. Yeah, and, like, he's literally doing this all for free. Like, he doesn't even ask for a job. He's like, I'm here to help. And, like, everyone in town knows him. Everyone in town loves him. But Sean, for some reason, hates him. Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't really hate him. He's just like, we, you don't work for us. But they let him stick around all the time anyway, which is like, because they're not open while all of this is happening. They're cleaning and getting ready. And Movie Mason's just hanging out. But at this point, um... Uh, we learned that Peter gave um, Caitlin and her friend movie tickets to the premiere. Oh, to yeah. her. He got her passes. It's super fun. Yes. And he, everything has to be perfect. That's why he cares if things are perfect. Yeah. Because he wants to impress Caitlin. He, oh, he wants to impress Caitlin. And he also, he, like, really likes his job. And he wants to, like, maybe get a promotion or, like, make sure everything goes off without a hitch. Um, so then we cut to Sean giving, like, a pep talk to everyone. Like, tonight's the big night. So we must... And do everything well. And he's um, like, tonight will be career building or career tearing. He's really just talking 17. about him. He's just talking about himself. Right. Because <laughs> everyone there talk is to everyone. 17. And uh, then he keeps saying all of these stupid little quotes. One of them is, it is service that can't be beat that puts butt, that puts a butt in every seat. And then he threatens I just to- wanted to say that I always wanted to work at a movie theater. I even applied to our local movie theater. And they never called me back, and I was very disappointed. I wanted... I see... I have a lot of feelings. I wanted to do that because I thought it would be, like, fun and cool. But also, I feel like there's a lot of shitty parts about it that I wouldn't want to do. I did apply for, like, not just, like, like a staff position. They had, like, a, like, 
marketing position that I applied for. It was like an internship back when I was in college. They did not contact me. I'm a little <laughs> salty about it. I know a lot about movies. Yeah, same. I just wanted free movies. I just I think it's free be fun. But whatever, it's fine. But yeah, I guess the movie industry doesn't want us. It's fine. We'll just make this podcast instead. <laughs> that no one asked for. And none of these movies have been to the theater because they're decoms. It's fine. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> so uh, after that, Sean threatens to fire anyone who isn't back by three. At this point, Mr. Niedermeyer calls, and he says that his son-in-law is going to take the general manager position, which is what Sean has been, like, vying for. So Sean has to, like, pretend like everything is fine while he's on the phone, but he's like, oh, you're gonna give the position to so uh, okay. To your son-in-law who has no experience? Cool, cool. <laughs> so he gets off the phone, everyone hears what happens, it's super awkward, but Sean is still like, we gotta have tonight go off without a hitch. Like, and then oh, he's like, uh, and he goes, so if anything goes wrong, Pete, you're to blame. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Pete drives home, and I really hate this scene because this is the only scene that's not at the Megaplex. <laughs> Otherwise, this entire movie would be set inside of a movie theater. Anyway. Not really. There's some scenes with mom, but yeah. Okay, well, those are dumb. <laughs> they still exist. Okay, uh, Pete drives home. Um, Ma, He learns that mom is going out with George tonight, and they need Karen, the little sister, to babysit Brian, who's the youngest, who's, like, I don't know, seven or eight or something like that. Karen's, like, 12 or 13, and then Pete's, like, 17. Yeah, and Karen is upset about this because she had plans to go to the movies with her friends. She wanted to see University of Death. Yeah, and Mom was like, well, first of all, I wouldn't let you see that anyway because that sounds violent. (laughs) Um, so... So we learn, so Pete says, mm, you to, or I don't know if Pete says it, but they, the kids are like, oh, you think, like, George is going to propose tonight? And all the kids are like, yeah, like, we love George. We want him to propose. Well, and then they keep referencing movies. And then I, <laughs> I put a star by this. I said, is that what movie people's children turn out to be? <laughs> is that what happens? You watch, you grow up watching movies, so you're like, remember in The Proposal whenever this happens? Okay, well, I did grow up watching movies, and I didn't do that. I just quote them like my dad does. Well, yeah, but like, it's bad. But That's I don't really like, I don't like compare every situation to a movie. I don't know. It was obnoxious, but they're talking about movies all the time. Um, at this point, yeah, the brother asks if he and Karen, so Brian asks if he and Karen can go see a movie instead of just like hanging out at home. And so mom is, like, unsure about it at first. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. The sister suggests that they can just go with Pete to work so that mom can keep her plans. And so mom says, that's fine, but you can't see the scary movie. And you're going to see Farmer Brown Town with Brian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, (laughs) this is when Karen says, I hate my life. You still treat me like I'm three years old. (laughs) What? Classic trope. Classic decom trope. You can't have she a decom without an angsty, think. <laughs> a angsty kid saying, you treat me like I'm a child. Because you are a child. <laughs> Y'all are children. I'm a child and I'm, I'm 22 ch- years old. We're all children. We're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mom compromises. Yeah, so she compromises. She's like, you guys can see the farmer movie. And then um, she'll... What? Oh, she'll I, pick them up. Um, no, Pete will drive them home. On his break. Yeah. So Pete's inside and he's eating a ginormous bowl of cereal. It's like a mixing bowl that he filled with cereal. And mom's like, oh, like you hungry? And he's like, well, I don't know if I'll have time to eat tonight. So gotta fill up now. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's when mom tells Pete that he has to drive his siblings home. But he's like, oh, well, Caitlin's gonna be there tonight. And ooh, I want to impress her. 
Um, but mom promises that the siblings won't bother him because he's worried that, like, they're going to say something to Caitlin and yeah, ruin his chances. Ma, or one of them says bombs could go off and it wouldn't distract them from a movie. Just like dad. Oh, dad loved movies. <laughs> no one loved the movies more than dead dad. It's true. <laughs> mom then, wonders if that's why Pete works at the movie theater and why he, like, works so hard to be there because it, like, reminds him of dad. Yeah, he mom, doesn't really say anything to that. He just kind of, like, avoids the subject. Yeah, and Mom is like, you know, you, you work too much. You're 17, please. <laughs> yeah, and then Pete's like, we have this conversation all the time. Look, all I care about is money, money, money. I want it. That's it. <laughs> um, we also learned that Madison Ashley Metz, a celebrity actress from the movie, will be there yeah, I at said, the premiere. I said, is that supposed to be like Sarah Michelle Gellar? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I thought too. I thought like that's what they were saying, yeah. but then that came out. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. The equivalent so, of Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, the decom version. Yeah, so Pete says that he isn't nervous about the night because mom's like, oh, like, are you nervous about this Hollywood premiere? And he's like, no, I'm not nervous. In this town, this unnamed town yeah. that this Hollywood premiere is happening. But then we cut to Sean hanging up the phone and saying that everything is a huge disaster. Uh, half the staff has called in sick and Mr. Niedermeyer is putting so much pressure on him for this to um, turn out well. And Sean gets the hiccups because he gets the hiccups when he's nervous. Like, pro. <laughs> I get the hiccups literally for nothing. Um, so he sends Pete for, Pete's already there, but he sends Pete for water. Well, um, also, we hear some kids complaining that because they're so understaffed, no one's going to get any breaks tonight, which yeah. isn't legal. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Pete goes over and, like, calms the situation because Pete is, like, cool, calm, and collected. He is the assistant manager. Yeah. So, um, Terry, Scary Terry, starts telling a story, and Pete's like, can you stop doing that? We don't need to freak anyone out. Everything's gonna be fine. But apparently, they're ahead of schedules with the balloons, because they look up, and they see, like, oh, the balloons are already set up here. Look at that. They're that's gonna, easy. like, drop these, like, fun balloons, like a party. Yeah, and so they're like, okay, well, that's fine. But at this point, we hear some organ music and a maniacal laugh, and we're like, oh, Ooh. what is that? Is that but the Phantom of the Opera? Could be, <laughs> but we don't know anything dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So we cut back home, and the sister, Karen, is on, Karen is her name, right? Karen. Karen is on the phone with her friends, and she's like, okay, so we're going to get tickets to the scary movie, I'm going to take Brian to the farmer movie, I'm going to leave him there, and we're going to see the movie together. I'm a teen, and I do devious things. Yeah, so Brian finds out, and... And uh, Karen basically offers him a deal. She's like, if you just, like, sit in the theater by yourself and let me go see this movie, I will take you to see whatever movie you want next weekend. So that is their deal. And she de he demands money. Yeah. Uh, so back at the theater, Movie Mason is greeting people at the door, like, <laughs> telling them to enjoy the show. And, like, everyone knows him. He's like, oh, like, love the necklace, Sarah. I love it so much. <laughs> It's like if, like, so we have Marcus Theaters where we live. There are other places, too. And it's like if, like, the old Marcus, whatever the, like, first Marcus, you know how there's, like, the younger one who's in all yeah. the commercials, but he's like, this is my dad. It's like if that man was there greeting me, I'd be like, hello, Mr. Marcus. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Maybe if they didn't do those stupid-ass commercials, I'd be a lot more, like, open to them. No, see, I don't care about the older one. I think he's fine, because he just sits there and does what his son That's tells true. him. So <laughs> Yeah, this, those were not his ideas. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's like, just what like, it reminded like me of. Like that woman in the one commercial who was like, oh my god, it's 
Mr. Marcus, can I get a selfie? Yeah, and then he's like, oh, sure. And she's like, no, with your dad. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he's like, dad. <laughs> <laughs> if you're from the Midwest, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> if you go to the movies. <laughs> you go to the movies. Like, I know they're, like, originally from Wisconsin, but I don't know where else they are. Yeah, we used to have Warenbergs, but rest in peace. R.I.P. Warenberg. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. We love, listen, okay? Whenever Marcus Theaters took over Warrenburg, they started offering $5 Tuesdays mm-hmm. movie tickets for fucking $5. It was supposed to only be, like, a four-week thing, like, over Christmas break to get, like, more people seeing Yeah, movies. but it was so popular, now it's it's lasted forever. Yeah, it's, oh. Kelly and I go to the movies all the time. We also grew up with Warrenburg before it became, Ron, or before it became Marcus. Yeah. So... <laughs> it's so good. We haven't seen a movie in a long time, obviously, but whenever they open back up, we're going. We're going to see something. <laughs> okay, so, Movie Mason is there. Um, we see, we shortly see this theater has, like, a King Arthur contest. There's, like, a sword and a stone that people, like, if you can pull it out, then you get, like, free movie passes or whatever. Yeah. Um, Peter and Lacey are at concessions, and this bully shows up. His oh, name's Donnie. Ooh. And he is planning on moving in on Caitlyn, because he heard that Peter got her free passes. And Peter is like, why does he always have to take everything I want? Peter uh, thinks that Donnie has this perfect life that I thought would, like, come back into play later, but it doesn't. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> weird. But he's like, yeah, he always gets what I want, and he only goes after what I want, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then one of his coworkers says that Peter's sweeter, and girls like him. But he's like, girls like Caitlyn don't like nice guys. <laughs> Literally, the nice guy troop is already alive. The Wait. only thing Pete was missing is a fedora. What the fuck? <laughs> uh. Anyway. Uh, so then we see Mason um, grabbing Sean and asking him about his live organ request in the theater. But <laughs> Sean ignores him. Yeah, he shoes him away. Uh, the staff complains about being swamped. There's two ticket takers and the lines are really long. And mm-hmm. it's just like taking a while because there's only two of them and they're understaffed. So. Well, and it's also a whole thing because the premiere is tonight. So they have to like let people see movies during the day, but then clear them all out and yeah. clean the theater before the actual premiere. So that's why all of this timing is, like, very important. Yeah, and Mason right there says, oh, I'll become a ticket taker. And Sean's like, mm-hmm, okay. Well, Sean's like, we can't pay you. And he's like, oh, that's fine. They're he's like, like, you haven't paid me for anything. <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, whatever. And they give him a bow tie. Yeah, it's so cute. They wear bow ties as part of their, like, uniforms. So he gets uh, a little bow tie. Okay, so Mom and George drop uh, Kate, Karen, and Brian. I forgot their names. Karen and Brian <laughs> off of the theater. Yeah. And they get stuck in line at the ticket line. It's, like, already backed up again. It's taking forever. Mm-hmm. So we got to the front of the well, line. Well, they tell Brian to go see, like, what's taking yeah. so long. So Brian goes to the front of the line just to, like, see what's up. And Mason <laughs> isn't letting people into movies that he thinks are shitty. Yeah, he's like, you really don't want to <laughs> see this. You should see glimpses of Genevieve instead. It's very good. Which, like, oh, my God, this man. <laughs> we are the same person. Okay, no, you're not, because we see shitty movies. Yeah, but, like, if someone... What's a movie we hate? If someone was gonna go see, uh, The Irishman in theaters... (laughs) Oh, my God. When, like, Little Women is playing at the same time, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Oh, my God, it was bad. (laughs) But, yeah, he's giving his opinion. He's basically like, the movies are so magical, and you have this opportunity to see something so magical, but why are you choosing something so shitty? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he also starts giving this speech about how movies are not about commerce. Movies are about magic. <laughs> And so, uh, they see that, like, everything is going super slow, so Sean comes over, and he's like, hey, you can't do that. (laughs) They, yeah. Yeah, so Mason gets kicked out. Um, Brian and Karen try to defend him, Mm -hmm. but Sean, like, threatens the police if he doesn't leave. Well, yeah, and he tells them, I don't want you here tonight for the premiere, like, get out of here. Yeah, so then Mason (laughs) is on this escalator, but he's facing, like, he's not facing, like, down, he's facing, like the other way so we slowly see him like descent down the escalator as he says tell my theater that even when i'm not here it's magic is never far from my heart (laughs) and then like he goes out of frame (laughs) yeah uh yeah so then peter walks uh his siblings to the theater and he's like "I i don't understand why you guys care so much about movies yeah, so apparently what mom said about, like, oh, Pete, you love movies is not as true as we thought. Yeah, because Karen and Brian are like, you don't know how to have fun. Like, you're only, you're 17, but you're acting like you're 35 with a mortgage to pay. <laughs> um, that's when Caitlin arrives, and Pete's like, oh, hey, Caitlin. Well, and he's like, you guys better behave. I don't want to hear shit from you. I got a lot to do, and Caitlin's here. Yeah, and that's when they go over to this candy machine. It's kind of like the one that, like, you put quarters in, and then just, like, a bunch of, like, m M&M fall out. Yeah. And Brian ends up breaking it. Yeah, he goes to, like, try and get some gumballs, and he, like, pulls, like, the little lever that, like, stops them from spilling everywhere off. Yeah. And so, at first, he's just holding it, and, like, nothing bad happens. But then, Donnie comes over, and he's like, hey, kid, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I, like, I pulled this off. I don't know what to do. And Donnie's like, I'll fix that. He's like, I can't ask Pete. Like, he said not to do anything. Yeah. And so, Donnie's like, I'll fix that. And he, like, goes to, like, fix it, but he actually sabotages him, and he, like, breaks it even more. So, all of the gumballs and, like, all of the candy in this machine spill all onto the floor. A bunch of people trip over it so quickly and so it's a big catastrophe. Yeah. And Donnie, uh, Donnie like, walks away and is well, like, he kid, what'd you yeah. do? He immediately blames Brian for it. Yeah, Brian is eight years old. But it's okay, because Pete is to the rescue. He grabs a, okay, so it's, like, one of those, like, cardboard cutouts they have at movie theaters. Yeah. He grabs a hockey stick from it, which is not cardboard. It's a real hockey stick. Yeah. And starts, like, he pushes, slap-shotting the, the trash can yeah. sideways. He pushes the trash can onto the floor and starts, like, slap-shotting the gumballs into a trash can. It was super unnecessary. A, like, a broom would have been a lot quicker. Yeah. But he does it um, one gumball at a time, and everyone is, like, cheering everyone for Everyone cheers him. as a big spectacle, but he, Pete looks around, and Caitlin is leaving with Donnie into the theater. Also, mm-hmm. whenever, like, all of this stuff goes on, Brian exclaims, The Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again! Yeah. So, ooh. Mm-hmm. He knows about the tale. Um, yeah, so Karen takes Brian to his movie, and then leaves for her movie, all the while trying to avoid the cinema sitter. <laughs> Which is an old lady who tells, like, children to stay in their seats and be quiet. Yeah, it would just interrupt the movie. That doesn't make sense. Like, just use an usher. (laughs) And also, like, I mean, maybe kids did this more back in the day, but, like, I didn't go to the movies by myself till I was in middle school. And I would go with, like, my friends, not, like, by myself, by myself. Yeah, the first I was trying to think, I feel like, actually, I have no idea what the first movie I saw, like, with my friends. I mean, it was definitely, like... Somewhere around, like, fifth or sixth grade, probably. Yeah, but, like, little kids don't go to the movies by themselves. They go with their parents. They don't need yeah. a babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Peter talks to Caitlin. Caitlin is seated in her theater, and Peter is talking to her, like, 
trying to flirt, and he's like, oh, you know, Jacob Johnson is gonna be here, and he's a, he's an actor, and Caitlin's like, oh my god, do you think I could, like, touch him? Oh my god, I love him, that's so um, cool. Yeah, and then Pete's like, oh, you know, I might get a promotion tonight, because I'm so good, and then he takes off his bow tie and puts it on, like, Caitlin's pink t-shirt. Well, she, he's, like, talking about his hard work, and Kate, Caitlin compliments him for that, and then she says something about his bow tie, and then she's like, I've always liked it, and he's like, oh, and he puts it on her shirt he just like clips it on it's very weird donnie comes over and says pete there's a popcorn emergency so pete has to go take care of that it's true Uh, so you see the popcorn machine is popping but it won't stop oh and all the customers are angry yeah Uh, but pete just unplugs it and it stops yeah he's like did you try and turn it off and they're like we did it didn't work and then he unplugs it and then it stops and they're like oh uh so then a customer come a customer tells lane lacy uh, who I think is just, like, sweeping the hallway, that their movie is blurry. Glimpses of Genevieve is blurry. Uh, so Lacey tries to find Pete, who's checking on Brian, mm-hmm. uh, in his theater, uh, and he finds out that, like, Karen's not there. Uh, Lacey... Well, fi- he just thinks that she's in the bathroom oh, at this yeah. point. Lacey finds Pete, and they leave. Pete runs into the theater that's, uh, and we can clearly see that the, the projection is, like, very blurry, like, nothing's in focus. The entire theater is just yelling at the screen. Yeah, and so Pete, like, makes this announcement. He's like, hey, guys, I'm sorry about this. We're gonna get it fixed. You can either, like, the movie will be restarting. You can either, like, wait and watch it, or you can go to the, like, courtesy desk and get a free ticket for another movie. I've had that, like, I've seen many movies in theaters, yeah. and I've had, like, malfunctions happen. No one's just like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, one time we went to go see a movie and literally started 30 minutes late because no one wanted to be the person to like go tell them that the movie hadn't started yet that happened to me twice (laughs) (laughs) and then they gave us free passes so that was nice yeah yeah so yeah everyone is like causing a commotion but Uh, he's like doing the best he can brian followed pete into oh do we say that pete offered to restart the movie yeah yeah Yeah. so So, brian yeah is there too and he's like you know all these accidents keep happening you know that's kind of weird seems like sabotage He's like, I bet the Phantom of the Megaplex is angry because you're throwing this big Hollywood party in his house. Uh, <laughs> so Brian starts walking back to the theater, and he hears a laughter in the hallway. A spooky laugh. Spooky laughter. But he- no one's there when he turns around. But us, the viewers, we see this pair of eyes, and they're, like, looking through little cardboard cutouts like, being well, yeah, real creepy. cardboard cutouts that already had the eyes cut out of them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe eyes. he did it. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, in Karen's movie, her friends dare her to scream, I love Phil Dalton. He's the actor in whatever movie they're Yeah, watching. and Karen is like, no, I dare you to. And the one friend is like, oh, don't dare April to do anything. And the other friend is like, you're gonna get us kicked out, which would be me. You can't yell during a movie. Yeah, why would you do that? You're so dumb. she stands up, like April stands up and she says, my name's Karen and I love Phil Dalton. And everyone's like, shut up. Yeah, there's this kid sitting next to them. If you're a teen and you think that's funny, it's not. Yeah, just watch the damn movie. If you don't want to watch the movie, pay for a ticket and go hang out in the arcade. I understand you don't want to be at your parents' house sometimes, but don't interrupt other people's movies. Don't interrupt the movie. Don't be an obnoxious teen in a movie theater. Just don't do it. I, I just don't. <laughs> um, so Karen leaves to go check on Brian, and she finds uh, his empty seat. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and so at this point, the cinema sitter comes up, and she's like, is everything okay? And she's like, oh, my brother must have gone to the bathroom while I was in there. I'm just gonna wait for him or whatever. And the cinema sitter's like, okay, well, let me know if you need my help or whatever. So yeah. she's sitting there, and now she's stressed, because she's like, where did Brian go? Yeah, where did my eight-year-old brother go with this giant mega plan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> I know, buddy. <laughs> So then we cut back to the concession stand. The customers are all angry and yelling again. Like, if you do this, you're a dick. Yeah. And so, uh... uh Sean's not answering his phone, and Mr. Niedermeyer... Mr. Niedermeyer is angry. Mm-hmm. What if the Phantom of the Megaplex got Sean, and that's why he's, like, gone and disappeared? Oh my god. And now, there's another disaster in a different theater. The lights keep flickering on and off. And so Pete goes over there, and, again, he's, like, like, trying to find Sean. They're like, Sean. Merle? Yeah. Too. Yeah, they can't find Sean. Merle's not there either. Yeah, so Pete has to do fucking everything in this <laughs> movie. So Pete's trying to fix the lights. Um, Brian comes up to like the projection because the lights in the theater were like flickering on and off yeah uh, so brian finds pete in the projection room because he followed there and pete's like the whole computer system is just like malfunctioning because everything's like connected to this one computer system uh brian tells pete that sean is still missing and brian's like hey like i can help but brian's like or but pete's like no you're a stupid child go back to your movie um at this uh, this is, like, over a different place, but Terry starts telling a story about seeing someone in a cape, like, go hiding behind a corner and laughing really creepily. So normally, Terry just, like, makes up stories, but this seems a little more realistic, we've because we've heard some creepy yeah. laughter. Um, and so... And then we cut to Karen, uh, she's outside the bathroom thinking that Brian is in there. Mm-hmm. The cinema sitter comes by again. And she's like, is he still in there? And she's like, I'll fix this. She starts knocking on the door and she's like, Ryan, if you're in here, the cinema sitter and your sister are waiting for you. Please make <laughs> yeah. it prompt and get out. <laughs> she's Nanny McPhee, basically. Uh, she's no Emma Thompson. <laughs> Uh, so then, yeah, we also, we cut back to the projection room, um, Merle is there, he's checking out the system, and he's like, I've gone through, like, everything, and the only reason this is happening is that someone is deliberately attempting to ruin this night all at once. Yeah, um, also, the lights are still flashing on and on and on and off, and all the people in the theater are still sitting there. They're, they would not do that! They're all just, like, yelling at the screen, like, throwing their popcorn. All of them would be at the, like, courtesy desk demanding a refund. They wouldn't right. just be sitting there. And so, uh, Pete decides to go down and, like, give them the same spiel that he gave before, but they all start, like, bombarding him at once. And so, Brian, his little brother, starts yelling, and then everyone shuts up, and they listen to him. He tells them, you know, we're gonna restart the movie, you can go get a refund, whatever. And so, then, Lacey comes, and she's like, there's another disaster, the fog machine is missing, what's going on? And she's like, also, like, we saw the shadow. It's the Phantom of the Megaplex, says Brian again. (laughs) So, uh, so this is when Pete is finally like, hey, Brian, you want to help? Because <laughs> Sean, still missing. Don't and know where Pete's he is. just, like, out of options at this point. He's going to hire his eight-year-old brother. Uh, and then we also see Karen continuing to search for Brian. She has not caught up with them yet. Yeah. Uh, so Pete and Brian find Sean. Um, they, like, go all the way down to this, like, storage space, and they find Sean, like, tied up and, like, with duct tape over his Yeah, mouth. they're in this, like, stairwell. Yeah, and he has duct tape on his mouth, so they, like, take it off. They ask him what happened, and Sean gives us, like, a story about how, like, somebody pushed me down the stairs, he, and they, like, tied me up from behind. I didn't see them. Yeah, I don't know what had, happened. Like, red carpet, velvet ropes that he was trying to get from, like, that storage space, and he's, like, someone just, like, 
I don't know, pushed me from behind and then tied me up. I couldn't see anything. Yeah, and so Sean calls Niedermeyer back. He's like, everything will be fine. Sorry, Mr. Mr. Niedermeyer arrives in one hour. Yeah, they only have an hour. First of all, they just said that they were going to restart that movie. Yeah. They only have an hour. This timeline also doesn't add up. So, um, uh, on the escalator, Karen runs into Pete and Brian. They're, like, going different ways on the escalator. And so, they, like, they meet up, and Pete threatens to take them home if they don't go back to their movie and stay where they're supposed to. Brian tells Karen, uh, if you pay attention, the movies can teach you about life. Dad used to say that. <laughs> and then Brian points out how the titles of the movies match all of the problems that have been happening. Yeah, this is back um, whenever Karen and Brian, like, start to walk into Brian's movie. And then Brian's like, wait, like, Karen, listen to me for a second. Yeah. Glimpses of Genevieve, there was a blurry screen. Cut to black, the lights were flickering on and off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ti- yeah, Karen says the titles match the troubles. Yeah, so they're gonna try and get one step ahead. They're gonna figure out what movie is gonna strike next and what it's gonna be. Yeah, so they hear screaming. There's a big ass fan that's missing, and people are literally being blown out of a theater while there's a tornado on the screen. It's called Cyclone Summer. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so like one of those like giant gym fans. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really blowing people Why away. Why is this fan in the theater in the first place? And who put it there and nobody noticed that was going on? So Donnie tries to, like, be the hero and help. Yeah, this is the movie that Caitlin and Donnie are seeing. Yeah, but he can't do anything. So Pete goes in. As he's, like, trying to unplug it, he literally gets blown into the seat because it's that strong of a fan. He finally is able to unplug it and, like, everyone gets out of the theater I, I don't know. It was just weird. Uh, we so, cut to Mom and George randomly yeah. for no reason. They're, they're in the car. They're gonna, they were gonna, like, go to this restaurant, but it was closed or whatever. And then they make this, like, plant metaphor for marriage. Yeah. I well, Mom's just like, I don't know if, if I can go into a plant with another plant. Can you put two plants together? What but if they both die? they're growing fine on their own. Yeah, and, and so. And George is kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, they both kind of, like, come to the same page of this metaphor, apparently. But it's just, like, weird and pointless. I don't know why yeah, it happens. so then Mom's beeper goes off. Uh, she gets a page from Peter, or from this unknown number. Yeah, it's um, a payphone at the theater. Yeah, so then they, Pete, ca- yeah, he called, Mom calls the payphone back, mm-hmm. and um, Pete is like, I don't have any breaks tonight, Mom, you need to come pick up the kids. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll meet them at the blue bench in the lobby. But George's car won't start. Oh, no. Damn. And then so, we go back to Pete taking Karen and Brian uh, to the lobby. Uh, Sean, Sean finds Pete and he says, you know what I think? I think the Phantom is movie Mason. We kicked him out. He's angry about it. He hasn't, no one's seen him all night. Yeah. It's movie Mason. Well, and he says this right in front of Brian and Karen too. And Brian's like, Mason would never do that. And Karen agrees because yeah. everybody knows movie Mason. Yeah. They're like, he loves movies way too much to like cause this horrible experience for them. Yeah. And so Sean says it must be him. He must be found and we need to get rid of him. So Pete tells that Pete tells his siblings like, wait on this bitch until mom gets here. You have not listened to me all night. There's crazy stuff going on. Please just make my life a little easier. Yeah, so then Pete finds a staffer, and they're like, hey, like, have you seen movie Mason? And they're like, oh, yeah, he bought a ticket for this movie that started an hour ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Pete leaves uh, to go find movie Mason, and that's when Brian finds Mason's work schedule in the trash, the one that Sean threw out earlier. Right. Uh, Brian asks, H, who's H? Haley. <laughs> Haley, where Mason takes his dinner breaks, because right now, um, according to his schedule, he'd be on a dinner break. Mm-hmm. Um, so Karen and Brian get up from the bench, 
And Karen follows Brian to the basement. Well, and Karen is even reluctant at this point. Brian yeah. is one really leading this endeavor. Yeah, Karen's just kind of like, Brian, like, we're going to get in so much trouble. Like, mom's going to get me in trouble because you're not following directions. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so they go to try and go. They're down, like, the same stairwell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they see, at the bottom of the stairwell, they see um, the cape figure. The cape and, the, and they hear the laughter. Mm-hmm. And Brian's like, nah, I'm going to unmask you, sucker. And again, Karen is like, what the fuck are you doing? We are children. But Brian just goes off. Yeah, we briefly cut back to Pete, who sees that they're not on the bench. Um, um, also, we cut to George trying to fix his car, but he's like, I'm not a man's man. I don't know how to fix a car. When the car breaks down, you gotta pop the hood and look at it. I don't know what I'm looking at. Can I just call the repair man? Call as the if, fucking repair man, Yeah, George. as if mom is gonna ju- judge him. Who? <laughs> it's so dumb, but he calls it, and yeah, that's so fine. Brian and Karen find this room of old, like, basically, like, theater props, kind of, and this long tunnel. Um, mom calls the theater... And she's like, oh, like, hey, uh, can you tell Pete or, like, Brian and Karen that we're going to be late? Uh, can you make sure that, like, my kids are on the bench? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark answers the phone and he's like, nah, I don't, I don't see him. And then mom's like, oh, like, can you go find Pete? Um, so Mark, like, you can't just, like, put a payphone on hold. Yeah. So he leaves the payphone hanging. But then Lacey sees it and she's like, oh, someone left the payphone. Yeah. And she hangs up the phone. And so mom is getting very freaked at this point because she can't reach them. The car is broken down. I don't know. She's a mom. Yeah. So back in the tunnel, uh, Brian and Karen find these, like, it's, like, still, like, full of props. They find, like, these Phantom of the Opera posters. And that's when Mason appears. And they're like, hey, Mason, like, you're the Phantom? Mm-hmm. And Mason's like, listen. He starts giving this speech because he's movie Mason. Yeah, he basically says that, like, whenever you're, like, a kid, there's, like, butterflies and, like, taking a bath for the first time. And everything's so magical. But as you get older, like, and you see more of the world, things lose their magic. But not the movies. The movies, you can dive into, like, a whole new story. Like, the hero saves the day. The guy gets the girl. And... That's where the magic is today. Like, that's where you find it. And I could never destroy that. Yeah, and, and destroying like, the magic is the worst thing that anyone could do. And so... It's just so cute. I love it. <laughs> he also says that if there is a phantom, it's not me, children. I promise. So... We love movie Mason. <laughs> yeah, so we come back to Pete. He's looking for Caitlin again. Because even though the whole fucking movie theater is falling down around him, he still only cares about Caitlin. <laughs> Uh, Sean is missing again, and this woman comes up to the concession stand, and she's like, I am the agent of Madison Ashley Metz and Jacob John, I don't remember, is that his name? I don't know, but she's like, I need to talk to the manager, she's and like, they're like, we've been waiting in our limos for 45 minutes. Yeah, and so, Bitch. yeah, and so Pete is like, well, I'm the assistant manager, I can kind of help, sorry you've been doing that, I'll get Sean out there as soon as possible, and she's like, if he doesn't come out soon, we're going to leave. If we don't get a personal welcome from him at our limos. Uh, so, we got cut back to the sword in the stone. Donnie pulls out the sword, and he's yelling at Ricky, is that his name? One of the characters, one of the movie I put workers. R, I don't remember what their names Yeah, are. he's yelling at Ricky, and they're like, he's like, where's my free passes? And they're like, well, we can't give you free passes without Sean, and like, there's so much going on right now, we'll just give you the free passes tomorrow. But Donnie's like, being a little bitch, and he's like, no, I want my passes now. Yeah, so Pete comes over to fight with him, and then Donnie's like, it's fine, you don't have to give me a pass, just let me come to the premiere. And Pete's like, I can't just let you come to the premiere. Like, we're sold out. There's literally no room. Yeah, and then Donnie literally tries to start, like, a physical fight, but then the sprinklers start going Saved off. Saved by the bell. Ugh. So, yeah, they have to go deal with that. Pete uh, Brian is- and Karen are back on the bench, yeah. and um, neither they say that neither of them have seen Mom. Pete meets them there. 
they think that the Phantom is Merle, because earlier when they saw him, they said, he said that he felt, like, underappreciated, and, like, he's the one who has to, like, deal with all this stuff, and he's the one who has control, has control of, like, the projection and the lights and stuff like that. Yeah, and they're like, we have to show you something important. So they take him into this theater, and there's a trailer playing for Midnight Mayhem, which is the movie that's premiering there tonight, but it's, like, not the actual trailer. It's, like, it's, like, Midnight Mayhem, but now it's real. Yeah, I don't know. It's very weird, but it keeps repeating, and they're like, who else would be able to get this working except for Merle? And right, so, so they run up to the projection room, and Merle is there, and Brian's like, hey, you phantom! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Merle is like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm trying to shut it down, but I can't do it. They, like, rigged the system, but Brian is not convinced. Until they see, down on the floor, the phantom is, like, pulling these tubes. Like, mm-hmm. the literal, like, he's got a mask and a cape. He's pulling, like, these tubes. And it's the fog machine. It's the fog machine. So they go down to the theater, he's already gone, the tubes start blowing fog, and this is when Peter's like, okay, like... Instead of waiting on the bench, I will finally accept your help because you guys seem to know what you're talking about. Yeah, again, Mom, we cut to Mom. She's freaked out because she can't get a hold of them. Um, That's really it. Uh, So Brian is like, we need to find a place with internet. And they're like, the only place that we know of with internet is Sean's computer. Uh, They're going to look up spoilers for Midnight Mayhem to figure out how the Phantom, like his big act, how he'll sabotage the premiere. Because no one's seen it, so they have to go on like an internet like spoiler site. Mm-hmm. Um, Which to, apparently existed in the year 2000, even. I don't doubt it. <laughs> so they have to go out and find out a spoiler site to figure, to like try and figure out what the Phantom will do to sabotage this premiere. Yeah, at this point, Caitlin and yeah. her friend Lisa joined them they're for some like reason. We don't know why. We don't know when they joined them, but they're there. Uh, so they go into Sean's office, they close the door, and Sean is taped to the back of the door. Yeah, he's like hanging on the back of the door, and they all like scream when they see him. Uh, at this point, we cut to two other workers. They're cleaning the girls' bathroom, and they hear a thud, and they threaten to call the cops because they're already freaked out about everything that's going wrong. Turns out it was just Karen's friends. They were trying to sneak into the premiere. This scene was pointless. Yeah. <laughs> because then we cut back, and we learned that Sean was jumped from behind again. Um, and then they go out to meet Mr. Niedermeyer, uh, but Sean's like, he will know nothing of everything that's happened tonight. Uh, so Sean greets him. Uh, everyone's there just kind of, like, in the lobby, just, I don't know, talking. I didn't write any of it down. Yeah, but as they're standing there, a little string pops down, and Lacey sees it, and she's like, I'm gonna pull it so that all the balloons fall and everyone will be happy. Well, turns out they were water balloons! Yeah, no one could really tell that the balloons were not filled with air. Apparently they they didn't see the water in them. It's fine. Everyone is soaking and mad. Pete goes to get towels. Uh, We cut back to Karen and Brian. They're in Sean's office reading uh, the plot to the movie, and they find out that in the climax, the dinosaur, because it's a dinosaur movie, sucks all the air out of the school that the kids are trapped in. I guess dinosaurs can do that. I guess so. That's uh, the so plot. Like, okay, let's go. Let's go find Pete. Uh, so as they're running out, Karen sees this key that's on the ground, and she picks it up as they leave the office. Uh, so Mr. Niedermeyer tells Sean that the mayhem monster was removed from the removed from the roof. It was just like this giant blow up, like pr- promotional monster. Yeah, like and balloon. It, thing. But it was very expensive, so he's very mad about it. It's very big. You know, like what you would see, like on, like a car dealership or something. I don't know. Um, and, yeah, the agent lady comes in, and she's like, we're gonna take the celebrities away unless the door is open now. Yeah. Uh, and Pete goes to find out where the monster went. 
Outside, Movie Mason. Movie Mason is putting on a show. All the paparazzi are there. They are all just like waiting for the celebrities. Old timey song about Hollywood, and everyone's like clapping and singing. They are eating it up. Oh, it's so good. Everyone loves him. Yeah, Sean comes outside and he like kind of yells at him, but he's like smiling the whole time, so nobody knows that he's yelling at him. But uh, Mason knows the lead of the movie. Yeah, so Sean walks out, and then Madison Ashley Metz yells from her limo. She's like, wait a second. She comes out and defends him. Apparently, she grew up in that town, and which no one mentioned Yeah, before. no one mentioned this, that. This, like, random town that no one knows the name of. And, and she's and, a famous celebrity. That's, like, oh, Yeah, and she's a famous celebrity, and she went to, like, the Megaplex and the old, I don't know, whenever the old theater was built but she went to that theater like her whole life because like as an actress she's like oh i love movies Mm -hmm. and movie she like became friends with movie mason because they were both always at the theater and movie mason was a was the one who convinced her to get into acting yeah and so he's her plus one for tonight i love that for him it's great um so that's when mom and george show up and they ask stafford they're like hey we don't want to see the premiere we just can't find our kids and he's like okay yeah so they get to go in (laughs) yeah so they walk in um, Brian and Karen meet up with Pete, and they're like, we know the ending of the movie, um, and Pete is like, oh, like, the monster from the roof is missing, and no one can find the roof key, mm-hmm. uh, so Karen's like, hey, is it this key that I found in the office? So they run to the roof, uh, they're up on the roof, uh, the balloon is gone, and they're like, how did it, like, leave? It was so big, they, like, had to let the air out of it to get it down, mm-hmm. and then Pete's just like, I'm sorry, I never listened to you guys, as the phantom is like, like sneaking around behind them. Yeah. And so they're <laughs> like, like now's not the time. Well they figure out what's gonna happen, but as they do, the Phantom puts a sheet over all of them, ties them ties together, them and then just like leaves. So they all just like stand there, like with a sheet over them, tied that's tied with a rope around them. Yeah. They're like, what are we gonna do now? Um also at this point, Brian says, I'm betting we've been phantomized. Yeah. It's not uh, a so word. mom and George are in the lobby of the premiere and mom says I've seen Katie Seagal, yeah. I've seen LeVar Burton, but I haven't spotted my own kids. <laughs> so even more celebrities are here. These teens are like, Madison Ashley Metz is here. But like, y'all, Katie Seagal is there. Smart house. Um, <laughs> what's her name? I don't remember. Pam. Pam. It's Pam. <laughs> so then they go and they ask Hillary. I don't remember who that is. Hillary for help. Uh, we cut back to the roof. Pete, Karen, and Brian walks, are, like, walking slowly toward this pipe. Pete's like, if we get to this pipe, it'll, like, cut the rope or whatever. It's like that one movie, and they're like, oh my god, you like movies after all! (laughs) Uh, Mr. Niedermeyer starts the premiere in the theater. He introduces the director, and the the director introduces the movie. But that... As they say, the movie's gonna start. An inflatable monster starts growing. The dinosaur balloon. Oh my god, what's gonna happen? <laughs> so this giant balloon starts blowing up in the theater. Well, and, and everyone is losing their shit about it. They're like, oh no, oh no, what are we gonna no do? they like, hey, I got a key. Let's start hacking. Yeah, they all just like try to leave, but like, it's blocking the exit. Yeah, like two more balloons have a pop up, like a gorilla and another monster. And everyone's just like... Yeah, they're just all idiots. (laughs) So the kids are still stuck on the roof. They're still tied. Um, They, yeah, they like fall over this pipe and they are able to get out. They try to get into the theater, but it's blocked by the balloon. So they go up to the balcony and they're Mm -hmm. like, what do we do? And then Pete's like, I know what to do. No, because this is when movie Mason shows up behind them. He's like, I was in the restroom and then everything happened. He's Mm -hmm. like, but wait, 
I got an idea, y'all. Yeah. So Pete goes to try and pull Excalibur out of the thing, but apparently it only comes out every, like, 20,000 pulls or something, and they're like, of course, Donnie just pulled it out, so it's gonna take forever. And then Merle's like, y'all are fucking idiots, there's a button, and he pushes the button. (laughs) It's like a a literal toy. Yeah. (laughs) So it Um, pops out, and Pete decides that he's gonna go save the day. So instead of, I don't know, just, like, going to the doors and popping the balloon, they go back up to the balcony, and Pete jumps off the balcony onto the dinosaur balloon to stab it multiple times with this toy sword. Yeah, and everyone in the theater would not be able to stab, like, an industrial balloon. Everyone in the theater is cheering, and they're like, oh my god, amazing. But, but, the the phantom, Phantom. he He, pops from behind the screen, so Pete runs after him, and they fight behind screens. And, like, the shadows are there, like, you see. And everyone is literally like, (gasps) oh, there's, like, a rope or something, and the phantom's trying to get away, but Pete grabs him, and they come so Swinging through the screen. So they fall onto the floor and Pete unmasks the phantom. Who is it? It's Sean. It's been Sean all along. So, yeah, they're back out in the lobby. Mr. Neater, Mr. Niedermeyer fires Sean, bans him, and makes sure he never works in the movie theater industry again. He blacklisted him, if you will. Blackballed. No, blacklisted. Like, the old-time movies. Like, if you were suspected to be a communist... Oh. You got put on the blacklist. Oh, or right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we learned that Sean was angry at Mr. Niedermeyer because he never noticed him. Like, he gave his job away, and Sean worked so hard, and he never got any credit for it. Um, so Pete starts talking with his family, um, and he's like, mm, I should spend some more time with you guys. I'm not going to work as much. Um, the movie director approaches Sean, and he's like, hey, we're gonna make a movie out of this. How would you feel? We're gonna call it Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah, but then he's like, he's like, oh, we'll be like full partners. Then he's like, your first assignment is to get me coffee. And so Sean's like, mm, same old story. Ha ha ha. So then Brian says, all we need now is a four-star Hollywood ending. And then George says, how about this? And then George gets down on one knee. He makes the plant metaphor again. And he doesn't have a ring, but Mason is like, oh, hey, I got one. Good old fucking Mason. He got a prop ring. He got a prop ring. So mom says yes. Everyone Um, cheers. The whole family hugs. Yeah. (laughs) Caitlin's still there for some reason. Mr. Niedermeyer offers Pete the senior manager position, but he says no. He's like, it's time for me to have a life. And then he puts his arm around Caitlin and he's like, actually, I was wondering if I could have the night off. And Mr. Niedermeyer's like, yeah, here's $50 for breakfast to take her to... To take her to breakfast after, after the, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so like we're assuming the premiere started at like midnight, right? Yeah. So I guess they're going to breakfast at, like, at 3 a.m. 17! I would not have been allowed to stay <laughs> out that late when I was oh 17. Yeah, well, and so uh, Pete, so earlier Brian and Kate, Karen were like, can you please let mom let us stay? Blah, blah, blah. And so mom's like, come on, guys, we're gonna leave. And Pete's like, let's let Brian and Karen stay. And mom's like, okay, Pete. Uh, so then Mr. Niedermeyer gives the new manager his son-in-law orders, but he doesn't know where anything is. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Uh, Mason greets everyone at the door as they go into the theater, and then, uh, like, as Brian's about to walk in, he's like, now we've solved the, solved the Phantom of the Megaplex, but what about the werewolf? Ha 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 ha. And then it ends. Yeah. There's a howl, and then it ends. Yep. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 
Jeff, I already said my favorite quote, which was, I've seen Katie Seagal, I've seen LeVar Burton, but I haven't spotted my own kids. I know, I was thinking about that. They just made up fake names for these actors and actresses, <laughs> yes. but then they named other ones. Other celebrities that just happened to, like, come to this stupid-ass, like, middle-of-nowhere town for this premiere that this one guy tried to pull off. I was wondering if they could say Katie Seagal because she was in Smart House. <laughs> Oh, and LeVar Burton, because he, I think he, like, he produced something. I mentioned him before. I don't remember. You did. Yeah, you were yelling about it. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Oh, that's why. How fun. We found an Easter egg. We did it. They probably didn't do that on purpose. You never know. (laughs) Uh, Fan of the Megaplex, guys. We see you. Yeah. (laughs) I know you're listening. (laughs) I know you listen to every review of this movie still. (laughs) What did you rate this? I gave this a three and a half out of five. I put it at number five. Uh, I have Johnny Tsunami above it and Brink below it. Um, I also gave this a three and a half out of five. And mine's at number eight with HD Double Hockey Sticks above and Halloween Town below. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty, like, run-of-the-mill decom. But obviously a better one because it's not at number five. Yeah. Yeah. In the top ten for yeah. both of us. So that's it. Next week we are watching 17 again. Oh, the first of the Maori sisters. Yes. It's not a real decom, but it's fun. (laughs) Can't wait. It is not the one with Zach Afron. Sorry to disappoint. It's T and Tamara, so it's better. It's not disappointing. Whenever the like other 17 again came out, I was like, this is not a remake. What are they doing? (laughs) I was very confused. It was oh, I guess it was the same, an old old person turning around. It's 17 again. But it's not it's not the same. It's not this one is better. It's Yeah. (laughs) So you'll hear about it next week. Bye. Bye.